Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBTQ plus history. We are Thomas, Tony, Kendall. And this week we're bringing to you the week of November 1st through November 7th. And we're going to discuss a variety of topics, including I'm going to talk about Bo and Yang. We're also going to talk about uh um Tammy Baldwin Tammy Baldwin and Tom also Finland Tom Finland so mm. that's what we're going to do it's going to be cute. a juicy episode it's going to be juicy all <laughs> right well this will be a fun episode but before we dig into our uh topics how puppies. about we um talk about puppies is that what Spencer said we've got a uh, live studio audience with uh the host of our spooky podcast joining us today well they're not on the episode but they're listening in so that's uh Spencer and Chris Woohoo! Woo-hoo. No? Woo-hoo. All right, way way to go! All right, uh, a recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade, probably because the elections hope coming up. While we're growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our our pets. According to a 2019 study, there's a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their doggies. If you're a dog parent, you probably know that. Your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our stress in any way we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our little, little, little puppies? Baked Bones has a solution. Yes, that's right. They have CBD, which has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs. And Baked Bones has your dog covered, made from organic, human-grade ingredients and full-spectrum hemp oil. Their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. You can check out BakedBones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and the other benefits they may provide. Baked Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% using the promo code GAYSTUFF15. That's G-A-Y-S-T-U-F-F-1-5. Baked Bones is LGBTQ-owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Baked Bones is now available at Man Ready Mercantile if you're in the um, looking for the, some like personal trendy trendy stuff. type stuff you can find baked bones there uh which those stores are in houston and austin baked bones proudly donates 10 percent of all of its profits all of its profits to no kill, no kill shelters in the u.s baked bones bake dogs happy Woof. Woof. and uh they also if you want to get your pup in the holiday mood they have uh pumpkin spice uh treats now they have psl mm-hmm. for the basic bitches <laughs> yeah yeah i do remember so if you're like a basic white person you can get like, like the what? psl treats. well you don't have to be white to be basic i will i remember going did you get kennedy pumpkin spice <laughs> latte treats no but i got myself a, one time because i was i was like what is this psl thing so i went to spin class and then right after that i went to yoga class uh Spin yoga and then PSL to, then on I a had, Saturday morning. Then I, yeah, it was a Saturday yeah, morning. Oh my God. And I had to drive to Starbucks to get my PSL. Did you to, go on a pumpkin photo shoot? <laughs> I was fall girl. He was uh, all in his like Lululemon yeah. gear, barely sweating. You're heading? Me and my <laughs> latest <laughs> baby at the pumpkin <laughs> patch. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, so it is PSL season. Now, by the time this episode comes out... Um, well, it's 90 degrees here in Houston, it but is. PSL season nonetheless. <laughs> but uh, it is... Uh, so this is November 1st uh, when this episode's coming out, which means mm-hmm. we're a few days from the election. Any final parting words before we dive into that election? Like, Hopefully on the other side, we're all... By the t- if you're listening to this on Saturday, November the 7th, hopefully... 
Like a time capsule. Biden yes. won. And if not, yeah, God bless good. us all. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, I voted weeks ago, so it's I did not too. my fault. So, yeah. So, if you're listening to this and you haven't voted yet, go vote. Um, yeah. Provided it's before November the 3rd. Because if it's after November the 3rd, you're too late. Well, no. Tr- Trump said you can vote as many times as you want. <laughs> All right. Vote yeah. December if you want. Three times. That's good. The president. Have one you. at breakfast. Right. In <laughs> uh, other news, I mean, politics is depressing. I mean, at this point, we'll just be guessing what's going to happen. Uh, what else has been going on? This year's been crazy. Um, just uh, as a side note, like we, because we did our way back when we did our. Um, our sassy hours, ba- way, way mm-hmm. back when the... Pre- um, yeah, early COVID days. Early COVID days. And one of the things we did, because Kendall gave his homework to do, uh, oh, mm-hmm. the, uh, watch the Tiger King. I'm going to tell you right now, the first time I watched Netflix was when Kendall <laughs> gave my homework assignment. And what happened? Did you have my password? <laughs> <laughs> that cutie little patootie, Carol <laughs> Baskin. Are you crazy, oh, my Catholic? password. <laughs> I thought you were talking about. Like, my cutie little patootie. That's what... At. Cu- cutie... Cutie to patootie. Now That's everyone knows. So that cutie little Carol Baskin, I did see she came out as bisexual. Yeah, she's a bisexual. Mm-hmm. So she and she likes big cats. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> big kitties. I don't know what that big means. Kitty, kitty. But it sounds funny. Oh, she's a cat expert. Oh, okay. we should have known. The evidence mm-hmm. was there all along. Exactly. Yeah. The evidence. You, we, we're still thinking she killed her husband. Uh, one, I've, I've not wife, met one like. person that's seen that show that thinks she didn't kill her husband. I don't know. I feel like you know, oh. something eerie. Well, I'm not saying. <laughs> I just feel like chiming in on the sport of like whether this woman is a murderer. Is there something like? Granted, I you know. I'm well, she dating, even said in the show what you would so. need to put on the. Uh, I know, but I just feel like. Wait. So I, hold on. I was just gonna say, I look. I, she killed I, him. He's or no? in love with Carol Baskin. I'm not in love with. Ga- he's I, like, I don't has a bisexual n- crush on. Now Carol he has a crush. On now her. we're both bisexual. Bye for bye. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Think of all the fun we could have. Hey, Carol. Bye for bye. Bouncing beans. <laughs> Bouncing beans. What does that mean? Bees. Oh, <laughs> the bees over bees. there. Bees. Got it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, but 2020 is bringing out all all of the like. Well, well. Uh, you've got a man. I've seen a multiple on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You've got this um, man in his 60s who's uh, a straight man married with with kids. Um, who's wearing skirts? Have you seen his pose? <laughs> no, the pictures. He's like a bald. Looks like soon to be retired man. Completely decked out and like he's got nice calves, football though. coach. Damn, bitch. Football coach. He says he likes to be a top, uh, like masculine on the top, and likes to wear skirt. Doesn't like to wear dresses because he can't be as femme. He said. Um, so, but I would say his skirts too are very like power businesswoman skirts. They're not like <laughs> yes, we Alexis Carrington. We mm-hmm. love that power business woman. We just had Anise Parker on. We love a power business woman. Yeah, someone knows how to get stuff done. So we're we're all slap us around. She ran the shit out of this city. Yeah, she did. She in, did in a yep. good way, right? Well, there's <laughs> a sewage problem. Remember that? Well, she fixed that. It was up. after her. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, it yeah. was a water. Pipe break. Oh, that was way, that's no, way different. Now. Way different. <laughs> all right, let's not. That time that story. water, that water pipe. <laughs> let's not tell broke. them all our secrets. That was before COVID too. In Houston, we had that big water like a pipe week before. Yeah. Oh, candle. We thought that we, that we thought. Oh my gosh, 2020, our water shut down. What a tragic event that happened in Houston. Yeah. Because some for the listeners worker, that don't know, like one day, this major water main busted in Houston. Like a big part of the city was flooded and. Kendall thought Dips. it was some government conspiracy, and some poor, <laughs> some poor like backhoe digger just accidentally. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
That was, your hoe. that was your grinder name for a bit, wasn't it? Backhoe Digger? If y'all know like username and password now. Yeah. <laughs> Ho Digger, cutie patootie. <laughs> uh, All right, we're going way off track. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I got, uh, so yeah, so 2020, we got the la- the year of Carol Baskins being uh, bisexual. Well, the, the year, year of the Carol cat. Baskins, and then she's a bisexual, and then we got a mm-hmm. uh, old Too much bald, to deal with. Old bald man wearing. Um, hey. <laughs> y'all have been very rude to wearing me. Wearing skirts. Kendall, you're wearing skirts now? <laughs> Look under. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Wait, how old are you? Aren't you like 38 now? <laughs> Barely 12. Yeah, you just had your birthday. How was that? Don't know yet. <laughs> We're recording before the birthday celebration, but anyway. <laughs> keep going. He's telling us, keep rolling. The producer's telling um, us, keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> what else is going on? Anything Anything worth noting? Exciting? Well, you know, the gays for Trump. Oh, yeah. His daughter is... Tiffany. She was doing that last minute. She's rallying the gays for Trump. Get out the vote. It was not very. It was not crowded like his rallies. I will say that. But she looked like she was pretty blitzed. I don't think they photoshopped that like (laughs) they do the rallies. Right. I feel like (laughs) the rallies by Tiffany, but she's more of a Claire's. I think she was. Yeah, she was. I don't know what she was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to judge someone by what they were wearing, but uh, she she just looked drunk and having. been a person who's done a recording. Why were you looking at me when you said that? Under the, um, you know, it, it takes one to know one. I'll just say that. She just looked like she had been. She looks like the type of girl who wears both sides of a friendship necklace. Because <laughs> she's uh, from like she's the just 90s to give it to somebody. Those little broken heart Aww. necklaces. She'd be wearing both. Because she doesn't have any friends. <laughs> I forgot about those, Kindle. Wow. He hasn't given you one. I have one. <laughs> You do? Who's it's the other both sides? I'm just waiting to meet the right person. <laughs> just got both sides. I feel like that's something Martha would have bought you a long time ago. No? She didn't buy you a fr- friendship bracelet? I guess we weren't friends. Oh. I remember my sister had a couple of those, the friendship necklaces. You never got one? <laughs> that was before my time. Maybe that's when I knew I thought I might be gay because it was like, Oh, you're still not sure? I want one of those. Why Wait, are you still not sure? <laughs> this is episode 74. <laughs> I'm bisexual. He's an ally. <laughs> I'm just an ally, guys. I'm I on your side. I saw the name tag. I'm on your He's side. He's in it for the history. Yeah, that's it. I'm a history nerd, y'all. <laughs> I'm I'm coming out as uh, straight. Go back in. <laughs> <laughs> that's easier to do. He's like, I never realized till I was 41, but I think I'm straight. <laughs> I think I'm straight, y'all. <laughs> you need that gay conversion therapy. <laughs> to convert me. <laughs> I had that. I've tried it several times. I think it's working. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah, it's crazy. So, like I said, I, I don't know what to say because um, we've been, like, I feel like leading up to this big election that's happening and we're recording. It's here. We're recording way before the election. So, I have no idea what's going to happen. Way like a week and a half. Well, I mean, well, now <laughs> you know, a lot can happen in a week and a half. Oh, I know. So, We'll uh, we'll see, but we're on the sprint. Uh, vote on November third if you're listening to this and you haven't voted yet. Or before, yeah. Um, for Kanye, is that who we're going for? I yeah. voted for Kanye. <laughs> I did a write-in for Carol Baskins, bisexuals. Oh my god! I couldn't get Pete Buttigieg in the uh, bi party. In the uh, yeah, we're bipartisan. You're uh, obsessed with Pete Buttigieg. Still, still, this day. you're in love with him. What do you got? What position do you think he's going to get in uh, in the cabinet? You're trying to set me up to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Probably only missionary. I think he'll get something. Oh, do you think he'd run? Do you think he'll run again in the future? Absolutely. Like absolutely, yes. Yeah, 
40 yeah. years from now. He could, that's what I'm saying. He could run again. And, I mean, if you think yes. about Joe yeah, Biden, yeah. Ran, yeah. Joe Biden was in politics for 47 years. Who do I sound like? Donald Trump. Um, oh, everybody on my Facebook from back home, they're all like, it's kind of true. Montana. Yeah, but they're like, uh, he's in Washington for 47 years. You think he's going to make change now? I feel it's different though when you're in charge, like when you're the president. Like you, you have a different. I mean, when you're the vice president, you really can't do much. Although he had one answer where when 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 Trump asked him, like, why didn't you get anything done? He's like, well, the Republicans were in, in charge, like in in the they were running the, the Senate. In the Congress, yeah. I was just like, mm. and it was just like effort. It was silent. Trump was silent. The moderator was silent. It was kind of awkward. So I didn't I watch the second debate, but apparently she was running the shit out of that debate. Oh, she was the, good. The I first thought she was guy good. Was like, the moderator. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And there was a lot of debate whether she was going to. Even even DJT was like, you're doing a good <laughs> Is job. Is that what you call him? DJT. Yeah, I don't like this. Is he a 90s I rapper? I feel like if I say his name, then he's going to appear, and I don't want that to happen. Say it. No. Say it. I'm not going to do Here's it. therapy. <laughs> We're going to start his therapy, his second installment. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's get clean, okay? Because we we've been a little bit dirty. And you know who's gonna help you get clean? Aussie Pet Mobile. Do you want a clean pet without all the hassle? Packing Fido up in the car, driving him all over town for a grooming is a chore that many of us pet owners rarely enjoy doing, especially in the time of COVID. What if instead you could have the groomer come straight or gaily forward to you? With Aussie Pet Mobile of River Oaks, you can. Aussie Pet Mobile. Aussie Pet Mobile has spacious, custom designed. Mobile units with all the luxuries of the sal- the salon, AC, heat, electricity, and water. No hookups are needed, just like Tony's dating life. <laughs> just kidding. And They're desperately needed. Please, go they, they never use kennel dryers or harsh chemicals during the grooming process. Their vans ensure that your groomer's ability to take care of all your pet's needs, including hair care to paw care, and everything in between is all under control. They even offer special services such as de-shedding treatments, whitening treatments, hair styling, dead sea mud baths, dark color enhancing treatments, and facials. Their groomers are trained and certified and will pamper your pets with a personal 100% cage-free one-on-one experience, all in the comfort of your driveway. Whoa. Yeah, you know what else Aussie Pet Mobile groomers are trained on? Social distancing practices. Yes, that's good social distancing practices. You can make your appointment and be sure to ask about their contact-free pet grooming service. That's Aussie Pet Mobile of River Oaks. Woof. There we go. There's the woof. The wolf. That's like the classic. I mean, people are expecting the wolf, Tony. You can't disappoint. <laughs> like that's, that's, Don't be cheap that's, with it. That's my thing. Oh, shit. It's free, bitch. That's your signature. <laughs> huh? So, uh, Tony, you want to you wanna get us it? Speaking t- of politics, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah so today I'm going to talk about Tammy Baldwin, who... Um, For those that don't know, she is the uh, junior senator from uh, Wisconsin. She's uh, open lesbian, and she really is a trailblazer. We should Um, introduce her to Carol Baskin. She is way above Carol Baskin's (laughs) league. Trust me. Okay. She is. Um, But she really is a trailblazer, and she didn't really set out to be. I mean, she really wanted to just get into politics to kind of make a change, uh, make a difference. Um, so the reason she's kind of such a trailblazer is uh, she was the first um, out lesbian elected to Congress. 
She was the first non-incumbent gay person elected to Congress, and she was the first woman uh, from Wisconsin elected to Congress, and then she was also the first um, openly gay lesbian elected to the U.S. Senate, and she was the first uh, woman elected to Senate from Wisconsin. So a lot of firsts. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about her today is I didn't want to kind of go through like a laundry list of like here's her offices or whatever, um, but uh, I kind of wanted to talk about some just guiding principles or just things that are very core to her that I think um, really helped her be have such like a great career and be such a, I don't know, inspiration, I guess. Um, so... She, I mean, she's, her whole life has been in politics. So her first elected office, she ran for, um, she's from Minnesota. She ran for the Dane County Board of Supervisors. Um, she's actually from um, Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. And so she ran for the county, Dane County Board of Supervisors at the age of 24. And then she ran for the uh, Wisconsin State Assembly in the early 90s. Um, so in the 80s was her first political office when she ran for the Board of Supervisors. In the 90s, she ran for State Assembly. Um, and then she ran for the U.S. House. And then in 2012, she was elected to the U.S. Senate. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about her is kind of like her coming out slash, you know, struggle like with her career thing. So she knew at a very early age, kind of right after college, that she wanted to be a she really wanted to get involved in politics, and um, uh, she was really struggling because she thought, okay, I can either, because she came out, like, uh, in college, and she moved back to, um, back home right after college, and she thought, okay, I really want to pursue a career in politics, but I also want to be out, and she felt she had to choose. And so she was like, what do I do here? Do I pursue a career or do I, um, you know, be true to myself? And two kind of defining moments that um, really helped her realize she could do both were um, she uh, she was sitting at home when Geraldine Ferraro was nominated as the vice pres presidential candidate. And she thought, as a woman, because this is the 1980s, and she thought, if she can be nominated vice president, I I, I can do great things. Yeah. And when she wanted to run for the um, Dane County Board of Supervisors, there were two previous openly LGBT people, and they encouraged her, and they said, look, we will support you, we'll be your mentors. And they really guided her, and those two things kind of helped her realize, okay, these people have ran for the Board of Supervisors and won, like, I can do this. And then the Geraldine Ferraro, seeing her nominated as VP, made her realize the sky's the limit. I don't have to limit myself to the Board of Supervisors just because I'm a woman or a lesbian. Which is so cool. Like, I mean, this I mean, we talk about this a lot, like the, the aspect of visibility. Like, so the fact that yep. Geraldine Ferraro did that, I mean, she paved the way for so many people yeah and 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 tammy baldwin's in the same thing right i mean in terms of being uh out lesbian senator yeah. so other people can look at her and be like well i can be the senator and what and you, then you have someone like pete Buttigieg who's running like yeah what well, makes me i i can do that right which is really and, cool. and she was she was asked about that specifically so 
one of the core things to her, she's very successful, right? And she's had a lot of firsts. And she doesn't look at it as, oh, I have a lot of firsts. She looks at it as a great responsibility, like I have to do a good job. And a core belief of hers is how important role models are. Because, you know, without those two instances, she may not have had the courage to run or to seek, you know, like the sky is the limit. And it's such a hard, I mean, we, we again, we talked with Anise Parker, who was the first yeah. openly uh, LGBTQ mayor of a major American city, but there was a lot that led up to that. Right. And she lost a number of elections, but you're doing that when no one else is, I mean, yeah. she, we've, we've talked about all the politicians, Elaine Noble, uh, Kathy Kosciuszenko, Harvey Milk. Yep. Like those were, but there weren't a lot, Barney and, Frank, you know, there and, weren't a lot of people. No. And she talks about this, uh, you know, like she said, when she first ran in the 80s, just being out and running for office was progress because a lot of people thought, if I want to run, I can't be out. And so... Shit, just being out, though, was a big deal. Yeah, so putting the glimmer of, you know, so-and-so's out. And so... um, And she really said she feels being out helped her in her political career because she said, voters can sense authenticity. And my, by me being out, I'm authentic, right? You know, I'm not trying to hide anything. And um, she always says it's important, like, it's really important to be out at any stage of your life and whether you're in business, sports, whatever, because she says you do break down stereotypes and myths for straight people if, if they don't know any gay people and you come out, but... You're also a role model to other gays. And she specifically said, she said, Pete Buttigieg, because, you know, she was asked in an interview, you know, what do you think about Pete Buttigieg? Like, it's a non-issue that, did you ever think you'd see, like, a, you know, a formidable candidate for U.S. president, you know, an openly gay person? And she said, you know, it's amazing. And she said he wouldn't be there if it weren't for, like, predecessors. And I don't think she referred to herself. I think it just... Throughout history, you know, all of these openly gay people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, she talks about because um, it's super important for her to be like she's had many role models and she views herself as a role model. And she said when she was elected to U.S. Congress, um, she got a letter from this guy and he said that he was gay, closeted, really struggling. And he was like pretty much on the verge of suicide. And he saw in the news that this lesbian from Wisconsin was elected to the U.S. House. And he, he, he wrote her a letter and said that you seeing that really, you know, helped me and realized that, like, I can have a good life, you mm-hmm. know, like th- that there is um, future. Um, one thing that she talked about, so she was raised by her grandmother, which we'll talk about in a minute, but... Um, her grandmother was born in 1906, so before women's suffrage. And without, when she saw the Geraldine Ferraro um, being nominated, it made her realize, I don't have to just settle. I can shoot for the stars. And she said her grandmother got to vote for her for U.S. Congress. That's so cool. Which she said made it extra special that her grandmother was alive when yeah. women got the right to vote. Yeah, which um, uh, that was pretty cool. But... She did, you know, talk to her grandma before um, deciding whether to pursue politics or come out. And her grandma said, I am worried that it will 
you know, stunt your career if you come out. But, you know, so that it made it even more. She said, I'm really glad I was able to progress as far as I had during my grandmother's lifetime. Um, so she's not only a role model with, uh, you know, being a woman or LGBT. So her story is her mom was um, going through a divorce when she had Tammy. And uh, she was she had mental um, illness and she also was addicted to opioids. And her mother, you know, battled that. And so Tammy's grandparents raised her and she would see her mom on weekends. And she said, you know, it was very challenging because she knew something was wrong with her mother, but she didn't know what she could do to help. And she kind of struggled with that. And then her mother kind of always had a, she just felt guilty that she didn't raise Tammy. And, but she was very, you know, she overcame her uh, struggles and, um, her mother was very open about her struggles because she felt like stigma is a big thing to overcome. And if her mother got past the stigma, you know, like she was very open because that's the first part of like other people saying I need help or whatever. Um, so Tammy's actually very open about this because especially with the opioid crisis in America, um, she just feels if I'm open about my upbringing and my mother's struggles, getting past the stigma is the first step towards, you know, getting anything done with the crisis or individuals help, you know, getting help. And so she's very open about it. And she's like, again, it's, you know, give some people something to look up to, right? Like if, if she faced this, you're not alone. And so it, it she just, um, I don't know, just a very, uh, open person and she looks at it as she had a lot of role models in her life and you know she wouldn't be where she was without them so um another thing i think about her is she's very authentic um you know and she talked about the fact that she was out even in the 80s helped her political career because you know she felt voters could sense authenticity um but you know she did say i I never wanted to be the first woman or the first openly gay candidate in any of these races. She really wanted to pursue a, a career in politics to make a difference. And if you kind of like listen to her speeches, she is very like, she has a very down to earth demeanor. And if anybody asks her anything like in an interview, she just says like, I'm for this. I'm against this. This is where I stand. She doesn't, you can just tell she doesn't have, here's my five points I want to get across. And no matter what you ask me, it's going to be one of these five responses. Um, and she even says, you know, like she's kind of known in Washington as a technocrat in the weeds. She'll write legislation. And she, she admits she'd rather have small campaign gatherings than like some massive. I kind of like those. Nerds. I mean, again, we talked about this with Anise Parker. It was just like the data nerds, the ones who want to like craft the policy, who really understand it, who've talked to the people that it affects and really trying to make a difference yeah, versus yeah. just being on TV. Yeah. And, time. you know, she always says she says she is very humbled and, you know, honored to be these things and to kind of be a role model versus uh, bragging about being like the first woman or the first like, you know, openly gay person in the Senate. And I would say, um, which, you, you know, I'll talk about this with, with when I talk about Bowen, 
Bon Yang, but it, it's one of those things like you get, you have to, you get pushed into these positions. Like you have to talk about, like she may not want to, but she's yeah. the first openly yeah. gay senator, right? Yeah. Her, so it's like she has, whether she wants it or not, she bears this it's responsibility of like talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And I think she's like willing to good. talk about it. I mean, she, it's not great for her, but she's yeah. got to. Well, I think she like wants to talk about it and she's open, but she doesn't look at it as like, look at me. I'm the first. She looks at it as like, I need to do a good job here because I was the first and I want to be a role model to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, She takes it as a responsibility, not like, oh, look at me. I'm the first. Yeah. Um, One thing that she always says is having a place at the table is so important. Like if you're if you're not in the room. They talk about you. If you're in the room, they have to talk with you, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's she, funny. We had another Tammy, Tammy Wallace uh, last year to talk about that. Like you've got to have a, we, we have to have not just a seat, but a voice at the table. Yeah. Right? We have to be helping set the agenda. Yep. And she talks about, um, you know, in her, you know, she's been uh, in politics since the eighties. She said, you know, when she first got into politics, um, just being out, as we said, is progress. Um, she said, you know, it was hard to find a straight one straight person to kind of co-sponsor a bill if it was LGBT related and things like that. And um, it, I mean, it, it's funny you say that because yesterday the other day, it was totally unrelated but somewhat related. Like I saw a story. So the Pope uh, recently uh, endorsed uh, same-sex mm-hmm. uh, yep. civil, civil unions, unions right? Yeah. And so. Uh, so it was made the news right all over, and we had um, again Tammy Wallace. I saw her on the on the news. So she's the CEO of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. So again, who we interviewed last year, but she they the the local news station here in Houston interviewed her. So what do you think? And uh, you know it was it was a lot of discussion about uh, you know, the visibility, and it's it's a it's a great step forward, um, but all that to say is like when the news reporter was who was doing who was delivering that report i was like is this person gay like i mean so it's just what? like it yeah. it trying to pick up guys. no no well i was just like it was one of those things like well it, did they give the this report to the gay the gay the, the gay <laughs> yeah, person yeah please explain uh, yourself well and the, as i started looking at him i was like he he not so wearing you a think wedding. everybody's gay he's not wearing a wedding ring he's mm, uh, that's the first thing i look for but my first po- thing i look for well, how have we gotten here and he's 40 and uh, probably in his 40s uh, I, so, oh my god and I was just like, you just lifted two of your hands, yeah, <laughs> round motions. It's like whoa, no. Well, my point is like Carol Baskin because he 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 was associated with the story. I was like, well, maybe he's a gay guy. Like, so I don't. And poor, uh, not poor guy, but it's just one of those things. You so were poor associating. guy, <laughs> poor guy's gay. Mm, terrible life. Well, <laughs> well, that's why I'm like, I don't mean that, but I'm like, that's what people. You I, sure said it. <laughs> I did say that. So that's okay. not what I meant. And the LGP, LGBTQ. <laughs> Who's LGP? LGP. He's obsessed with Pete Buttigieg. In our He's community, it's like, woof, is he single? Right? I mean, and Tony said it. He proved my point. Oh, I said it. Which is, clear. Which is a little <laughs> bit of like. You went there. There's a news report. Bit, which is a little bit of a poor guy. <laughs> But started then straight people are like, ah. Oh. But my, it, it wasn't. That's the thing. It wasn't a sexualization. I was just like, is this guy gay? Mm-hmm. So Sound offense. Did they? Did they get? Did they just give arbitrarily <laughs> the the gay story to the gay reporter? You um, were gonna say, are they gay together? Are they gay? Are they gay, are they gay, gay together? together? 
but the, but so I can't imagine being a, a legislator, a legislator rather, um, who's like having in the eighties having to sign co-sign with. Um, yeah, LGBT. it's not that I can't imagine, but I I I can't imagine rather the some sort of pressure this person would have felt to be like, yeah, I'm gonna ally myself with a, a gay person or a lesbian. Like, it's not right. No, but that's what was the prevailing thinking of the time. Yeah, and so her point about like you need a place at the table is that's how it was when she started her career, and now we like we have employment equality we have you know uh, marriage equality we have education equality you know um we repeal don't ask don't tell and that happens because you have a place at the table right you know like you're in inside working um one thing that she said that was really interesting was when she first started her political career in the 80s there was kind of an informal group of like out lgbt people elected officials and she said there were about 14 people in the United States that you know anywhere from like you know board of supervisors to whatever um that they would meet up and uh she said if they counted worldwide there were probably about two dozen openly LGBT people in, in you know in the late 80s I think she was interviewed in 2018 or 2019. There were 600 elected officials, LGBT identifying in the United States. And she said, you know, when we started that group and it was like, you know, 14 people, she said, it really was a support group. Like, I know what you're going through. Life sucks. It's, you know, it's tough. Um, And she said, now when we meet, we're in a room of powerful people. You know, she said, we, you can just feel the power and the influence in that room because we're, you know, we're pretty powerful people. One thing she did say when she first... And now we've got a thousand people on the ballot, uh, LGBTQ identifying people on the ballot in 2020, yeah. which is so much progress. Yeah, amazing, yeah. Still not completely representative of the population, but nonetheless, yeah, progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking of what Tiffany Trump said at that... Gay Trump rally. I love the LGBTQIA plus. Like she completely butchered the letters. She was just grasping. I, I, I do feel that every time I'm watching someone on the news like talk about it, who or someone being interviewed, they get very nervous as soon as they have to like LGBTQ. <laughs> like we we there are we, so many now. We put some pressure it's on like folks. Greek alphabet in there. Um, but hey, you know, my friend Natalie and I used to fight, so she's lesbian. I have to write them down. And I used to say like GLBT, and she's like, it's LGBT. Otherwise, you're a sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing that she kind of points to as far as like. You know, like progress being made or whatever is um, when she first ran for state assembly in the early 90s. And Anise Parker, you know, uh, she had mentioned this, like every single person that interviewed Tammy uh, Baldwin that like wrote an article about her. It was all about her sexuality, the fact that she was a woman. And it's like. What is your feminist agenda? What is your LGBT agenda? And she's like, look, I want to represent everybody. And so at the time, it was kind of like you had to overcome this hurdle of I will represent everybody. I'm not like some 
feminist that only cares about women. I'm not some gay person that only cares about gay rights. Like, and you know, she, like one of her biggest concerns slash she's very saddened with what's happening to like dairy farmers in Wisconsin right now. Cause she's like two a day are going out of business. It's like horrible with all these tariffs and everything like that Trump's implemented. And you know, they didn't vote for her. I mean, all right. these dairy farmers right. in Wisconsin didn't vote for her, but she is sympathetic and obligated. You know, she, no, she's she's representing exactly, all of them. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, unlike yeah. the president who only represents the f- yeah forty percent people, of people yeah. who voted for him. And but she said, you know, when she ran for Senate in twenty twelve, it was zero issue her her uh, sexuality. She said it was. Not an issue. She said it was never mentioned. It was 100% about the issues. And so to go from, you know, in that length of time, you know, yeah. Um, One thing that she always says is, uh, you know, we have a long way to go. Never mistake progress for victory. And she's always held that belief. But she said, you know, Trump is you know, evidence that like never, and you know, cause she always, she, you know, she says just because we have certain rights in America doesn't mean the world has those rights. And just because we have rights in America doesn't mean they're permanent. Like you always have to like be all our rights are to have sex, to get married, to not get fired because we're LGBTQ are all determined by the Supreme court. Yep. Not because there's, it's not because it's in the Constitution, not because yeah. there's any federal laws that are protecting us. It's a, an interpretation by the Supreme Court. And so if and, and the base, this basically the Supreme Court said, or at least the, the conservative justices who sided with the liberal justices in these last few rulings, they basically said you gave a sloppy argument. And if you came back with a better right. argument, we probably would side with telling you. them the argument basically yeah. to come back with. Yeah. So it's. I mean, she's right, right? I yeah, mean, and, and, and this administration, because, you know, like she said, there's executive orders that are overriding. We're, we're lucky this administration doesn't have their shit together. Otherwise, I mean, if Ted Cruz were the president, I guarantee that, I mean, for all the things that are wrong with him, mm-hmm. he, he's a savvy lawyer. I mean, he's a savvy legal mind to figure out how yeah. He can get what he wants passed. Trump yep. doesn't know. He relies on his lawyers, and his lawyers are freaking Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, oh, yeah. and what? Uh, what's what's the guy uh, that was in jail? Cohen. Uh, Cohen. Yeah, who also in jail? I mean, these are so slimy yeah. people. But Ted Cruz. Was and if, a, yeah, and they're business were, lawyers. Yeah. They're not like right. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, that's Tammy Baldwin. Um, definitely a trailblazer for the LGBT community for you know women. Um, and I just, I really kind of felt compelled to like talk about her because um, I just feel she's a genuine person who, you know, she's very humbled by what she's accomplished and, you know, isn't boastful about it. And um, I just like the fact that she's open and she's so, you know, be open about everything, whether you're like an opioid addict or gay or whatever. Yeah. It just, it helps everybody, you, straight people. Oh, I appreciate that because I, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I knew obviously she was the first mm-hmm. LGBTQ, uh, openly LGBTQ senator. Um, so that to me, that's a that's about all I knew about her. So, I and I would say, um, I don't think she's as much of a household name as like no. you would think. 
And I think it is because she is such a like, I'm just going to get in the weeds and like work hard. I'm, you know, she's not the, you know, like I'm going to be like this pomp and circumstance. Well, like, you forget about like some of these folks though, right? I mean, she's from Wisconsin. It's not like she's from New York who's uh, hustle and bustle. And AOC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alexandria yep. Ocasio-Cortez was like, this is what we yeah, know. Yeah, and I would say, you, you know, know like, she's a Midwestern got... style. Like I think about Pete Buttigieg, like I mean, like if this 38-year-old oh would have been like That's the president. number four. <laughs> he's obsessed. My it's point, okay, though. But my point is like, he's a cutie. You, you, your, your frame of reference is what you grew up with. And she yeah. is a Wisconsin person. And I think that's you know. why she, um, you know, like her upbringing where she, you know, like her mom did have to give her to the grandparents and stuff. She is very, you know, for the average person. She really is. And, um, and she's faced, I mean, like some struggles politically. I mean, she's had some tough races, you know, cause I mean, Wisconsin, it's weird. Like they were the first state in the country to pass um, uh, an anti-discrimination bill against LGBT people as far as housing and employment. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, before Harvey Milk, they had, I think it was a, one of the cities in Wisconsin had like a city council person that was openly gay. Yep. Um, and she said, you know, but it, it was Wisconsin, so it kind of flew under the radar, but it was before Harvey Milk. But then they were also like, you know, uh, four or six years before she was elected um, to the Senate, Wisconsin passed an anti-gay uh, marriage bill, you right. know? So they're kind of like middle of the road. And um, like when she ran for Senate, she ran against, um, I think it was Tommy Thompson. He was a four-term governor, super popular in Wisconsin. And he served under George W. Bush. Um but she eked out a win, you know, yeah. and I mean, in 2018, it was because Trump had won Wisconsin. The Republicans spent a shit ton of money to try to get her um, uh, not reelected and she eked out a win. And so, I mean, it's, you know, it it was it's not like she's, you know, like from like san francisco or something where it's like everybody in her you know electorate is like going to be right she's know, not Nancy super Pelosi. liberal yeah yeah she's very um you know like she's liberal from a moderate state i guess and yeah. um so she's faced some uphill battles but i think it just points to like she's a hard worker she's very humbled and she really you know down with the people yeah oh that's cool no yeah I'd cool story and like you said she's paving the way for folks i mean uh she opens the door for a, a kirsten cinema who've talked about mm -hmm. and other um jared polis is running for yeah. no he's governor he's, he's governor, governor. Yeah, but Colorado. there's someone uh, there's other uh, we should know this but running for senate because she's in the Senate. That's what I was going for. But anyway, she's paved the way for yeah, all people to at the run. next meeting. Uh, there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, show of hands. Show of hands. Who's running Senate? Uh, you can, yes, report back to us. Live reporting. Um, Bring a casserole. Well, thanks for, for sharing that, Tony. Um, all right. AIDS Foundation Houston is hosting their annual World AIDS Day luncheon on de December 1st. However, this year, things will be a little bit different. For 2020, World AIDS Day will be a virtual experience. AFH has, was founded in 1982 and has continued to serve the evolving needs of those living with and affected by HIV and AIDS in the community. 
AFH's World AIDS Day Luncheon was a finalist for the best fundraising event in the city by Outsmart's 2020 Gayest and Greatest. On December the 1st, the event will be hosted live by Ernie Manus from Be Design. The show will include celebrity cameos and interviews, pop-ins by AFH staff and board. It'll feature Mayor Sylvester Turner, Judge Alina Hidalgo, and client and community testimonials, award honorees, drag and musical performances, and so much more. We are proud media partners and hope that you will join us in the fight to end the HIV epidemic in Houston by supporting World AIDS Day 2020, a virtual event. Access to the event starts at just $5 and underwriting opportunities start at $500. Please visit WorldAidsDayHouston.org to learn more. So, have you guys ever heard of Bowen Yang? No, I have not. not actually. No? Have you watched SNL recently? No. <laughs> No? no, actually. Saturday Night Live. No? no? Not since Kristen Huig. Oh, left. wow. That's been a few <laughs> years. Uh, so Bowen Yang is one of the newer cast members on SNL. And he was, uh, Yeah, he's cute. Whoa. He was born on November 6, 1990. So he's just a little baby. Uh, I wanted to talk to him, uh, talk about him, though, because he's actually, I think. Isn't he 30? In the process of I making. I'm doing the math. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not just that much of a baby. It just, well, I mean, compared to all of us. Well, compared to me, shit, yeah. For yourself. He, he's, I, I feel like he's in the midst of making history. We talked about uh, uh, B.D. Wong a, a few weeks ago. Who, no? <laughs> yeah, you guys remember? He perked uh, up. The guy that was on Jurassic Park. And mm, when I yeah. said that, you're like, okay. Well, he was on this uh, on the same show uh, as him on this Aquafina show. Okay. But um, that's one of his many projects, uh, Bo and Yang. But yes, he's turning 30 on November the 6th. And so I want to talk about him because if you've watched SNL recently, I feel like, um, I don't know if it's just him uh, if it's, I mean, he's obviously had an influence in what's going on with some of the things on SNL, but there's definitely in the last year been a very, um, visible gay presence, uh, on there. And he and a few other writers, cause I'm like, what are these writers? I mean, and I'll talk about, about it in a little bit, like, but it is very, it's become very gay and not ambiguously gay duo mm. gay. Uh, it's been like, these are gay cultural references that the, yeah. all the gays are like, to appeal yes, to the gays, queens. Even. Yes, queens. So not like, not like I said, not like poke fun of the gays. This is like the gays are writing these jokes and know what's going on. Um, so Bo and Yang, again, just a, a young pup at 30. Uh, his early life, he's, he's parents of uh, uh, Chinese immigrants. Uh, his dad grew up. I, I mention all this because this kind of plays into the, the full character that is, uh, not character, but the person that is Bo and Yang. His dad grew up in a straw and mud hut in rural part of China. His parent and his grandparents. Uh, are, sounds nice these days, though. <laughs> his dad. So his dad's parents were illiterate parents. So... Um, which is quite remarkable because this guy went on to go get a PhD in mining explosives. Uh, but Bo and Yang, so uh, his parents met in China. They moved to Australia. They had a, a, a daughter. Uh, and if you think about it, in China, you can only have one, one kid, yep. right? So Bo and uh, Yang wouldn't have been born had they not moved to Australia, wow. which they did. Uh, so mm. they lived in Australia. So he was born in Australia. They lived there for a bit. And then his family uh, migrated to, immigrated to Canada. Uh, and they were there in Montreal. And then in about the age of eight or nine, they moved to the U.S. Uh, and uh, moved to Colorado. So he grew up in Aurora, Aurora Colorado. Um, his upbringing, you know, again, they're trying to uh, assimilate into the U.S. culture, but he, they spoke Chinese at home. Uh, his parents were very much wanting to keep this Chinese culture like part of their um, their th- of who they were. So they went to Chinese cool. uh, Sunday school. 
but he he talks about having this like first generation immigrant i'll say guilt in terms of like you've got to work hard you're gonna go to school like oh yeah your dad grew up in a freaking hut to illiterate illiterate parents went to school um yeah you're gonna make something of yourself his mom was a gynecologist in china like you're like you're in you're the gynecologist in china does not translate to the same sort of um, uh job opportunities in the u.s right i mean just because the education systems a lot of times don't don't match up the same so but the vaginas do they do yes uh so i'm told <laughs> uh so <laughs> you know you've seen it <laughs> I, I have seen it yeah um but yeah so so he kind of grew up with this like you know, very like strict. You're gonna you're gonna do something. Like failure is not an option. So you're going to school. You're gonna do well in school. You're gonna go to a good college. You're gonna get a good job. Um, and so, he said though, like part of what he he got as like pop cultural indoctrination was like at age eight he started watching Saturday Night Live. He saw he said in 2000 he saw his first like show, uh, with uh, Charlize Theron and she's like oh he was he was thinking she she. She must be really important. Like this must be a really big show. So since age eight, he's been watching Saturday Night Live, hmm. um, and so he was uh, in school, like a really good student. Wound up uh, making his way to NYU. Uh, went to medical school. Was planning on going to medical school. Uh, he got a chemistry degree. He took the MCAT. He was inspired to go to med- to be a doctor. He says because of uh, Sandra O's oh character on Grey's Anatomy. He's like he saw an Asian yeah, person on cool. TV, and he's like, "Oh wow, that woman is something." And like, I want to be like that person. Uh, but as role he, model. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to your point of like, you know, Ger- Geraldine Ferraro doing that to Tammy Baldwin. Sandra O oh has done that to yeah, you know, for for Bowen. Um, but of course he didn't become a doctor. He, he really found his niche as, uh, in connection with improv and pop culture. Um, he even worked at as a, uh, as a graphic designer. At, so he, he stopped doing, uh, um, uh, medicine. He decided not to do that. Uh, po- improv pop culture was like where his passion was. And so in order to like, till he found, you know, eventual fame, he worked as a graphic designer, which you imagine if your immigrant parents are like, you're going to go be a doctor. We've, we've yeah. risked our yeah. life and now you're going to do graphic design for some magazine. He was, yeah, it was a tough sell. Shame, shame. Uh, but he, he, he made it work. I mean, so he did all sorts of odd jobs as, you know, as a, one, as a graphic designer, but two, to kind of get his comedic career going, um, doing standup comic, uh, comedy. He was, did some random, uh, appearances on comedy central, uh, all the while though. He's, he's been, you know, openly gay right which has been you know to, to what we talked about earlier like you know sometimes it's just just being out and open in a especially in, in like hollywood entertainment like that's yeah that's a that's a win for itself but uh he he eventually uh wound up on snl he auditioned he said a few times before he finally made it i mean and he he said he'd gone through his full repertoire of like characters because he auditioned so many times he was the soul and uh, soul cycle instructor which is a skit on that he's he landed on snl a choking guy so if you've ever looked at the uh the uh the signs of the those uh signs they have of like if you're choking here's what to do so apparently he there's some <laughs> resemblance the model. Well, that's what he's he's been told he looks like the model and so he made a skit <laughs> out of that uh so that's what he used in his audition uh, he said though finally he kind of ran out of like because he auditioned so many times he ran out of Asian celebrities to impersonate so he wound up doing this impersonation of uh, Michiko uh, 
Kukatani, who was <laughs> any of you guys know who that is? No. Yeah, no one does. So he was she was a new New York Times book critic. Uh so he <laughs> what he got to do is he's like, no one knew who she was. Like, but people in New York knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Like, but she didn't it's not like she was out on TV a lot or so he got to kind of make this whole image of her up, which kind of really reson like landed him the the gig. So in two, in twenty eighteen he became a writer. He had a few like Spots as like uh, uh, on the show, he was uh, Kim Jong Un because he was the okay, Asian yeah. So he showed up on on that. Uh, in uh, I'm gonna get my years mixed up, but it was uh, no, yeah, it was in in it kind of come full circle because he uh, when uh, Sandra O oh was on, like he was playing Kim Jong Un at one mm. point, and she when she was the host, uh, she. Yeah. Uh, she was the interpreter to his Kim Jong Un, so it was like a full circle moment for him because he was oh, like, cause oh, because that was her his yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but he and on twenty in twenty nineteen he became a full cast member. Um, so he was uh, like the uh, one of the third openly gay man to be a cast member on SNL, the first like fully East Asian cast member. I say that because you know he's like, well, I'm not the first eight because people want to uh, attribute him to being the first Asian because he he's of Chinese descent uh, so looks different but he's like Fred Armisen was and uh, you know uh, there were several other people before him but he's mm-hmm. like I'm the first he's like if you want to put a label on me he's like I'm the first fully East Asian uh, cast member uh, to be on there but again third openly gay man um, in, in to put it in context for Saturday Night Live which is such a, a, a pop cultural reference yeah. for all of us I mean, there there have not been a lot of Asians. I mean, when you think about Fred mm-hmm. Armisen, you don't think about oh he was uh, he was Asian. Like that's not someone you think of. Um, or Rob Schneider. These people are also Asian. Like those are not yeah. people you think of as Asian. Um, but Lucy Liu was the first female uh, host oh, in okay. two thousand. In two thousand, and then since then, two thousand. Yeah. Maybe you had Jackie Chan on there, but you didn't have another woman on there until Aquafina in twenty eighteen. Which, wow. interestingly enough, like now he's in a show with Aquafina. Like yeah. that that has has helped him. Um, but he really started to make a name for himself when he was a full cast member. Like we we got to know him a bit more. He was Trade Daddy on Weekend Update. So this mm. is a. Uh, uh, not 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 that type of trade. Uh, he was basically oh, he's a he's a Chinese represent the like Chinese uh, trade ambassador, uh, and he's trying to find a way to make this like some of the politics of of today and all of Trump's talk about the war on China, or the war with China, uh, make that funny. And so he's he comes on on Weekend Update as this uh, um, trade rep from China, and he. He says things like, you know, a tariff is like a tax, but it's a little bit bitchy. So he, but he, he plays up like this bitchy queen. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> Say that again. He said the tariff is like a tax, but it's a little bit bitchy. <laughs> Still like that? Oh, it makes I, so much sense. I can't deliver it the same way he can. But he, he's the found. The hair flip is we'll good. We'll post it later. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he manages to like, uh, I mean, he plays a very like, Asian gay, I mean, in his words, Asian gay type person and this tariff person. Uh, He's also done the impersonation, which I think was like actually a good timing for him because Andrew Yang was on, you know, running for president. And so he was by default uh, the Andrew (laughs) Yang like uh, impersonator. They gave him to Fred Armisen. (laughs) They could have. But he, that's what SNL of. 2000 would have done they were like let's play let the black woman be played by fred armisen it would have been sherry too mm-hmm. yeah. 
but uh, he got to do that, which interestingly enough, Andrew Yang was like very cool with uh, uh, his impersonations. He's like, well, first of all, he's what's well, an honor. Yeah, he's like Yang. You know, you're you're starting off you know on the right foot with the last name Yang. Uh, and he said he enjoyed his impressions. He, um, um, uh, Bowen said that Andrew would reach out to him, and be like, hey, you know, this is awesome, and they would recognize the first like the fact that like. You know, Andrew recognized what Bowen was doing. Like, you're an Asian man being able to impersonate an Asian presidential candidate. And yeah. Bowen was like, you're an Asian man running for president. Like, we don't see this. So they were both, like, an appreciation of, like, what the other person was doing, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because you don't always see politicians, like, appreciate. I mean, they some of them will, like, will try to play in on the joke on that, you know, that SNL is making fun of them. But I don't feel like they all like fully appreciate like the 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 jokes that SNL oh, will no, make. Most yeah, of them don't. but I feel like Andrew Yang was was really yeah. he because again Bowen said he called me up and like said hey great job. Um, interestingly enough, like you know you know he you know for this kid who started getting his pop references from uh, at the age of eight uh, from SNL. When he was in high school, he was voted most likely to be a cast member on SNL. So to be doing this like as a full time job is really cool. When he's not doing SNL, he's also uh, a podcaster. So maybe folks who are listening to our podcast listen to his. Mm. It's called Last Culturistas. Um, he's also on the show Nora from from Queens, which we talked about uh, B D Wong on there. So uh, uh, Bowen is on that as well, and he's also working on it. A Apple TV musical comedy with another SNL cast member, really? Cecily Strong. We, I oh, love Cecily. Love She's so fun. Um, he's celebrated for like what he does on SNL, his style, which is uh, histrionic. Is that the right? Is somebody pronouncing yeah. that right? Um, he's dry. He's pithy, but he, he's really he's. He, I I crack up every time I I see him on on a skit. Um, it his. I think what what which it. I mean, in addition to being an Asian cast member, openly gay on SNL, like his coming out story is pretty interesting. I mean, he he said he was awakened at a young age by his sisters handing me down Aladdin Ken doll that he knew there was something different about him. Uh, but he he says coming out was was he he kind of always knew he was. So there was never this big aha moment. But he he remembers like. He had a thing for Michelle Branch and this uh, her album, The Spirit Room album, and he said he got it confused. He's like at the time, he's like I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in love with this woman, but people, he it was such a weird thing. And maybe you, I don't know, Kendall, maybe you can or, or Tony, but he was like he remembers people telling him, oh, you like Michelle Branch, you must be gay. <laughs> like so, it was one of those things that he was like, oh, I think I have a crush You're on this woman. I relate to that. Well, no, just like I mean, because you said you like, as a young, a younger. Well, I mean, I think I like I definitely bought the Michelle Branch album and the Vanessa Carlton. I'm like, how do people not know I was gay? But, the original um, Pete. Oh, they knew. They knew. But, <laughs> but I, I guess my my point is, it's like you think this one thing, like, oh, I I like this album, like. I uh, and because you're still conflicted about your sexuality, you're like, oh, that must mean this must be the girl that I like. I, this is the girl I have a crush on. And people are like, no, dude, totally love you're, her. Yeah, you're gay. Like, and so no, she's your like girlfriend, not your girlfriend, right? And so, but he was like, that was the first time he's like, oh, this is something that I like is actually something wrong. Like, there's something wrong with me. And so he had to like internalize that in a in a way that was not positive. Like he had to like process that. Yeah. Um. And so. He says though, like the the big 
aha, not aha, but the big moment of his kind of coming out was his parents discovered a scandalous uh, AOL instant message chat that he was having uh, oh, with someone. So really? being a, a bit scandalous. Just, Didn't that happen to us all? I was like, oh my God. yeah. So well, I didn't have AOL. No. Oh, you didn't have you didn't we didn't have that in Montana. Well, we did, but <laughs> they would have had that by the time you were they in college. Don't have it there, yeah. They still don't have it. Uh, that's all you'll have now is AOL. You still yeah. have to put a CD-ROM. I got AOL. You're BlackBerry. Yeah, you're still getting those CD-ROMs in the mail yeah. that you're putting in your computer. Well, Netflix stole those DVDs up there. They don't really like stream. Oh, nice. <laughs> but they yelled at him like, "This doesn't happen." They said, you know, "Like this, this is not a thing that that happens." Uh, you know, because he's like, they they grew up in in China and they're like, yeah, "This is not." And I would say not only you know earlier when you uh were talking about um you know his uh family background not only are they like you're gonna make something of yourself financially it's like you kind of you worry about your kids being gay like because they might have a more of a struggle like succeeding or whatever so if they were like you're gonna make something of yourself and like not take this for granted well the fact that you're gay complicates it, right? Right, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to have all these things stacked against you. And, of course, this was not a thing that happened in China. There wasn't, like, an out, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a pride events that are happening all over all over China, I'm sure. Um, and he said he knew he was felt – well, he didn't know, but he felt like he was doing something wrong when he, his dad would cry at dinner almost every night. He's like, the only time I saw my dad cry prior to that was once when my grandfather died, his dad died. Mm. Uh, so he's like the fact that he was, he's like, so I was like, uh, you know, you don't want to see your parents yeah, your struggle day, yeah. like that. So his father actually arranged for him to go to conversion therapy. Uh, so yeah. he went, he, he was like, you know what he described as like, I was struggling with that, but he's like, I did it, um, for eight sessions. They, um, and he's, he talks about how, you know, he's talking with this counselor and this counselor is like, he's like, at first he's like, it was cool. Like I got to talk about like what was on my mind and feelings. And then he's like, slowly, you know, you knew that you felt there was a religious bent to it. And then you also just started to see the circular reasoning that was going on with the, the counselor. And they're like, well, did you feel a certain way when you were, uh, looking at boys when you were eight years old? Like when your was your heart pounding? And he was like, yeah. And, or did you think it was odd when you were looking at boys? He's like, no. Well, did you feel your heart pounding when you were doing that? Did you, did you feel like your, you know, your body react a certain way? And he was like, yeah. And the counselor was like, well, that's your body reacting from the shame it's feeling. So mm. that's your body feeling shame and it's manifesting in that way. And so he's like, whoa. So he went through it. His dad was like, okay, you did it. And then they let him go to college at NYU where his sister was going. So they're like, okay, you're going to be chaperone, no problem. But, of course, he's like, uh, NYU, he's like exactly. super gay. <laughs> um, he said he tried straightness as a freshman. Uh, tried straightness like as a drink. Right. He said he failed miserably. <laughs> he said he, he thought he had a crush on a girl. He, he said, tried straightness was, for a while. It was not. He said he thought he had a crush on a girl, but every time a boy passed by, he was like, uh, I want Woof. that. Yes. Mm. Uh, so he had to come out twice because he had to come out to his parents again. After going to college, he was like, listen, this is not happening. This is real. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it got really, really real because uh, they were like, well, you can't, this is not something we can accept. He's like, either you accept me or you don't. And so you meet me where I am or you don't meet me at all. And uh, obviously they've come to terms with it. Um, you know, they, they've come around, uh, although his dad still says every now and again, when are you going to bring a girl around? 
Um, but his parents were supportive of him. They were there. He, his yep. parents and his sister were at his first show when he became a cast member on, uh, on SNL. Uh, today, of course, he's celebrated, you know, oddly enough, for being this unusual queer out character on our par- cast member on SNL. Um, you know, he and he doesn't uh, he's not ashamed of it. He he embraces it. You know, he's said in interviews like I I have to have two suitcases. You know, I, I want to have two suitcases full of hair extensions by the time I'm 40. Um, if you if you're doubting whether he's a gay person or not, his Instagram handle is uh, Faye Dunaway. Oh, really? <laughs> I knew the real one was a man. Yes, uh, he got a lot of uh, a lot of likes and uh, and traction on Instagram when he started doing celebrity monologues, um, uh, lip syncing celebrity monologues. Uh, and I say mm. monologues in quotes. So Reese Witherspoon, if you guys remember, back in the two thousands, she got arrested for her DWI. So they've got the, oh, the yeah, audio of that. that. So he's lip syncing, like lip oh, lip syncing that. Um, Meryl Streep's Devil Welsh product that speech that you were talking about, like the you, you when she was yelling at Anne Hathaway, like, Oh, you think you, you know, oh, you think you picked that, but yeah. uh, actually, it was picked for you. Yeah, did that whole you can find that on Instagram. He does, he lip syncs that whole thing. Uh, when in reality, people chose that sweater for you, yeah. yes. Uh, has all the drama to it, too. Uh, he did uh, a Tyra Banks on America's Next Top Model. We were all rooting for you. He did. Uh, so he's done that. Made a lot, got a lot of likes, got a lot of traction. This was before he was big on SNL. Of course, on SNL, um, I think what's most compelling, again, is like he's bringing the gay jokes the, like, mm-hmm. yeah. to Saturday Night Live, to this very popular show. Uh, mainstream yeah and yeah and his point to similar to tammy baldwin like he recognizes his position and he knows that he's like i'm just trying to do better for the people that come behind me like i i'm not trying to be the first person he's like i just want to if i if i do nothing he's like i just want to make it easier for the next group that comes behind me uh he's like the more you see it the more you get used to it so he's trying to put it all out there um, but he he doesn't you know he doesn't know that it's a delicate balance because he is playing to a bunch of stereotypes. He's being the gay Asian, and he's like that's limiting me to some extent. But I'm okay with that. I mean, so he talks mm. about gay stuff on SNL. He he's helped write scripts about poppers and gay porn, uh, mm. and uh, debates get. So Emma Stone was a host recently. Uh, or back in 2019. So the skit she was in, there was a pre-recorded skit. So you know how they have those video montage. So she was the woman who gets cheated on in the gay porn. So her, you know, if you've seen a gay porn, every once in a while there's a woman no. who walks in like, oh my gosh. So she played this serious <laughs> actress. Her character was this serious actress. She was like, oh my God, I've been struggling. And so she shows up to this audition or to play. She got casted in this gay porn and, you know, she, she's having an existential crisis. Like, what kind of actress am I? I? Who is this person? Like, what's like, what's the motivation? And meanwhile, you know, these it's just these two gay porn actors who are like, we're just trying to have sex. The director's mm-hmm. like, we don't need any motivation. You know, um, of course, she gives her name. You know, Emma Stone gives her this character a name. Her name's Deidre, and she has all these like backstory to it. So, um, but it again, it centers around a plot of these two. <laughs> this gay porn who wants plot with your porn exactly (laughs) Um, and then i think what probably got the most traction uh i remember watching it was uh uh, sarah lee it was a sarah lee uh skit um with uh with harry styles so harry styles was the social media uh uh manager for the instagram account for sarah lee and it was bowen and cecily uh doing they were the the uh 
the the Sara Lee representatives, and uh, they're 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 like, hey, um, uh, they're talking to Harry Styles about his post, and you know, and which was interesting. It was funny because Harry Styles is like this, you know, heartthrob, teen heartthrob, uh, but he's playing this gay social media person, and he's getting lectured about. Um, so you wrote the comment. Uh, so this on this picture of Nick Jonas, wreck me, daddy. <laughs> Sarah Lee said he Sarah, because he did it instead. Because if you have multiple accounts on social media, you can flip through the Let's Talk About Gay Stuff account and my personal account and my the wreck my me access daddy to account. Yeah. And so he was like, <laughs> Sarah Sarah Lee said wreck me, daddy. On this, he's like, yeah, sorry about that. Um, you also have these comments you wrote about having a threesome and you claimed that you were, uh, you wrote it because you were high on poppers high. So it was just like, it was uh, talking about this gay guy. He's like, yeah, I had a threesome. Uh, I had this threesome. I must've been coming off my poppers high, which those, those are all gay references, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, these are not like mainstream. FYI, things. poppers last about five minutes or five seconds. Not right. like, people are learning that. You can't have a long-term high. <laughs> Uh, he did another uh, during the de- like the big debates, the DNC debates. All the Democratic can- candidates they had this. Uh, they basically had the equivalent of uh, when they were trying to select the the candidate that was going to be the final candidate. They had a RuPaul's Drag Race type of uh, uh, simulation yeah. where uh, the character that was playing uh, Elizabeth Warren, so um, Kate McKinnon, mm-hmm. she took her her, wi- her, her her wig off, and uh, all the flower <laughs> the rose petals came off like uh, Sasha yeah. Velour from RuPaul the RuPaul's. So it's it's the fact that you have the again these very gay like yeah the gays only the gays are going to get this sasha valor reference only the gays are going to get this popper reference yeah i didn't know yeah so it's it's but it's it's he's bringing that yeah along with some other writers but you know it's through him that that's that i love that he's bringing poppers to snl for everyone again to his point is like the more you see it the more you get used to it Mm -hmm. the more it's not a big deal um, you know, he says, what's next? He's like, he doesn't know. He's not trying to take his, his position to, he knows it's a special role that he has in terms of being one of few Asian people on yeah. SNL, one of few openly gay people, and also trying to make this, this conversation about gays and what we do be normal. Um, but he's like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe I'll flip the script and be in an action movie. Um, we'll see. Uh, but he, he's like, if people can see me and draw a connection to like, Oh, I can do that as a gay person. He's like, I, that's what I'm about. I mean, the fact that the, there was a New York times article written by Maureen Dowd, who is like a political, I mean, Maureen Dowd is a, a journalist known for her poli- you know, political journalism. Yeah. She wrote the review, a raving review interview with with Bowen Yang. I think speaks to like the impact he's having on yeah. mm-hmm. culture right now. So, uh, I, you know, is he is he history yet? No, I think he's creating history, and we'll be interested to see what he does in, in the future. So, awesome. yeah, uh, pretty cool. Like, if you haven't seen him on SNL, check out YouTube, watch SNL, um, and I you will crack up because every every skit he does, I'm laughing. He had a RuPaul was a a, a, a guest. Um, yeah, he's cute. No, that no, wasn't no I I think he's cute. Yeah, uh, RuPaul was a guest it matter, guest Johnny. host on SNL last season, and he got into this uh, like dynasty slap fighting uh, scene with RuPaul. It's like one of those really? things. Again, the gays mm-hmm. would get it like yeah. the dynasty slap scenes. We would be like, yes, and of course we were when we saw it. So they were rolling. <laughs> the are like, ah, they were rolling around the ground, and it was just very like Alexis uh, Carrington. I love it. So it was good. Watch mm-hmm. him. Check him out. 
Um, before we go to you, Kendall, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works. You need help with marketing? Hire a freelancer. You need help building a website? Hire a freelancer. You need help with benchmarking and analysis? Hire a freelancer. Economy Works believes in the power of connection and wants to connect you with its talent network. The talent network has over 800 years of experience and it's growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy Works, when we work, the economy works. You can find out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S dot com. So, my topic is going to be Tom of Finland. Have you all heard of Tom of Finland? Mm hmm. In <laughs> the words of Tony Wolf. Uh, what have you? Yeah. He's well, he, the, what I, do you know about him? Very, uh, very leathery. Very. Oh, he's an artist. Yeah. And uh, a, a muscular, hairy Thomas man. Is in love with him. With God, he's like, well, well, he's Tony, imagining Pete Buttigieg. Tony, if you, well, no, like, I don't. He, Pete Buttigieg is not uh, of the Tom of Finland type. <laughs> uh, if you've been to the the Eagle, which is the leather bar type place in Houston, if you it's think a about, chain well, like of course, I've never now. been there. Well, uh, All I do is church on Sunday. But if you I'm think gay. about, <laughs> which is gay bars on for the gays, uh, that's church. Uh, if you if you think about those big uh, paintings that they have with the the leathery guys oh, okay. and the hairy chest and neck with yeah. the big bulges. From the 80s. Harnesses. Yeah. The big bulges. Bandanas. The big bulges, Tony. Ah, Those, yeah. I'm all about the inner person, not the Oh, bulge. I care about what they think about. Well, like, he was known for his illustrations that looked like these big, uh, starting the 50s and 60s, these big blue-collar, beefy men, um, oh, tight whoa. jeans. <laughs> Yeah, no, black leather a, boots. It was a very distinct. I'm trying to ex- describe it to people because I know most gay people have probably seen yeah, it. If not, totally excited over here though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but bec- he became known for that. He was born. So I was a uh, Finnair. I lived in Helsinki for two months as a Finnair flight attendant for oh training. Oh my gosh, you lived everywhere. Okay, so I do know a little bit of language. <laughs> Give us some. Here's what I remember. Not all you know. Here's what I remember from Finland. I know you Finland. know some Finnish language. Huva uh, huomenta. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what is that? That sounds like a joke, but it's uh, good morning. Huva huva menta. Oh, see, so that huva pillow huva Good morning. Huva huva we international now. Oh, girl. Oh, shit. Welcome. I'm Finland. Welcome to okay. Finland Airlines. Wait, I have, have more to vocabulary is... to oh. tell you. If you don't like it, you can get the oh, this airline. Okay. <laughs> they would never do that there. So. Um, Maybe they would. Oh, no. So, Finnish Airlines. So, uh, you, you've, you, you're familiar with the Finnish. Yes, and the other vocabulary word was kitos. Kitos? What is kitos? Thank you. Kitos. Oh. Yeah. Oh, kitos. So, sh- uh, so I'm bilingual, yes. <laughs> oh, We're gonna go ahead and claim that, like you said, international. So, uh, Tom of Finland, or the future Tom of Finland, was born Tuko Vario Larkanen. <laughs> that actually is very accurate. So, <laughs> you hopefully, we have. Oh my Finnish! We paid for we linguistic lessons. Finnish <laughs> listeners, yeah, this that is, this is what those sponsor dollars were go just to. <laughs> going through the episode and landed upon this, and they feel very welcome right now. But he was born. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to say it again. In a town of Carina, which is a port city near no- Torku. See, y'all make me use, use all my Finnish. Um, and he later said that he saw so many blue-collar industrial men that was a very type of man that he lusted after. Mm. You know, the strapping, 
hairy-chested yeah. men. Because it was a seaport, right? So it was all these seamen who were, who were coming off the ships <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my. We're but all no. trying to avoid it. Yes. I, I'm not trying to avoid it. Going. Tony's definitely not trying to avoid yeah. the seamen. So his uh, parents were, he came from a conservative family. His parents were both teachers. They actually lived in the teacher's quarters inside the school. Like uh, European conservative or uh, U.S. conservative? Because I feel like the European conservatives are like, yeah, you're gay, I don't Ooh, care. Let's not get crazy. U.S. conservatives are like, you're uh, gay. Finland's pretty conservative, though. Are they? Well, they're newly, they're, Tell see, us, yeah, you're you gonna, lived in, you lived oh, in Finland. Yeah. Well, oh, I went to the mall. You were Finnish. Mostly. Oh, wow. I mean, even Ireland, like in... I, I feel fiscally very, you know, liberal. Fiscally, is that what you said? Fiscally, that's part of his artwork, Thomas. But um, Ireland, his like, best series. you know, like I they're very anti-abortion and stuff like that. So, well, when he was 19, he moved to Helsinki to study advertising, and he started drawing erotic uh, inmates that he saw in the town of Helsinki, and a lot of the people that worked like at the markets, he started drawing them very like. Erotically, yeah. But he was in the. He didn't want anybody to find them, and then him have the repercussions from it. So, Kendall, you spent some time in Helsinki. Like, what was that like? Like, I mean, I just. Well, that's why I stuttered because it's it has a conservative feel, but they're so respectful of other people that it's kind of like, well, you do you. Yet they're conservative. But thinking about that artwork that he's produced, and then uh, oh, I know. I think there's some repression there. I mean, are you? You should have been single then. Instead, you were being a this good, old loyal, ball and chain. Bald and chain. Is that what yeah. you called me? I, I know just my. Happened to stutter there. <laughs> so he always called you his, his uh, old bald and chain. chain. So at 19, he was there, and that's when he started drawing these uh, erotic pictures. And he eventually tore them up because he didn't want to get caught. And then the war started, uh, where Finland mm. fought USSR in World War II. And they allied themselves with the Germans, the Finnish, and he was drafted into their uh, Finnish army. And he started drawing a lot of... So Germany occupied Finland, so he started drawing a lot of the beautiful German soldiers in a very lustful, erotic, sexy way. And he later said... And he started becoming known for this because he leaked them out in the very beginning. Um, he later said that he felt terrible for making the appearance that he supported these, you know, racist ideological people. He said, I just thought they had a better uniform. As per a gay would do, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they have <laughs> I don't care about their philosophy, but... They so like actually when he was in this conservative army was when he was really drawing the figures most erotically. See, that's why I think like conservative times make people do freaky things behind closed doors more yeah otherwise just being open about it well, yeah because you it's can't like, talk about it you can't live out yeah it's like people have their urges or whatever and it's like they're going to do it like and those don't go away regardless of who's yeah. in power like those the, again i go back You're to human sex is is a instinct like hunger like you like need an animal like instinct, you need yeah. to you need to get fed food you need to get you need to have sex like or somehow release yeah. that aspect of you and i mean we've religion has taught us you need to control that and repress it and uh puritanian puritanic what's the right word puritanical puritanical thank you uh like 
thoughts that are are uh, influencing American society. Like that is uh, repress it, repress it, repress it, repress it. Women don't have boobs. They don't have vaginas. Yeah. And we and we call them things like boobies instead of calling them breasts. Right, exactly. the open and embrace so it. It's like, we don't God, call them vaginas yeah. because it's like, oh, we call it their private parts. It's like, it's a vagina. It produces <laughs> yeah. like, it's used for sexual. The most we've ever yeah. talked about in this, in this <laughs> like whole they ha- They show. make babies. Like these are things, I don't know. It's well, I do think that's, that's the repressive World War II era. And I think it's coming out in his drawings. Uh, a lot of art critics said that his early German uh, etchings, the men were feminized, like not to look so aggressive. Yeah, okay. Um, so some critics have led into that to say, um, well, that means you're really sympathetic to the Nazi cause, which he denied. Um, but later in life, it became an issue again, just because scandals always were the same ones come back up. But he had people of different... Uh ethnicities in his didn't he in his art or they were always he well that's another thing um his later career he well let me let's not get ahead of it sorry so uh he came back from the war and started doing illustrations he would send it off to something called a beefcake magazine we all probably heard beefcake okay um that's what they call me in high school beefcake tom's like i have my own amazing you mean all beef (laughs) All beef and all the cakes. All beef. Now, in in gay world, they call them the cakes. No, I'm just kidding. I got nothing. I don't. I got nothing. Go. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> so he was uh, sending in illustrations to what was called a beefcake magazine. So at the time, the U.S. was very conservative. So they had laws um, against male erotic art. They called it so, which banned all male porn- uh, pornography. So they had these beefcake magazines, which were fitness magazines, and it allowed you to, as long as they weren't completely naked, which a few decades later they get did get completely naked. But as long as it, you're in a gym and it looks like you're working out and you're not having sex, they could call it a fitness magazine and not be shut down by the government because of all the censorship laws. Yes, that's what I tell all my boyfriends, too. I'm like, hey... uh I'm just working out. I'm not, you know, it's just, no. It's just in a gym, just looking. They're exactly. Don't, everyone's got clothes on. Fit. The biker boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at, during that time in the 1950s, that the look that was popular and the considered the most uh, masculine was the Marlon Brando look, which was the denim, the wife beater shirt. Oh, uh, yeah. Leather jacket. So that became the new look of masculinity. So it's almost as like it's a meeting of his art that he had been drawing that way for a long time, starting when he lived in that little port town. Yeah. Uh, the, drawing the blue-collar men that he knew. Um, he's always had that style, but then you have a moment where fashion meets up with it, and his uh, illustrations become in demand. So he started working a lot with Physique uh, Magazine. Let's see, Physique Pictorial Magazine which was like the biggest beefcake magazine. Um, and he did a lot of their illustrations. Hmm. And at that time, it was a lot of biker culture, leather, denim. And like I said, because Hollywood was doing Marlon Brando type movies with that yeah. specific look. Um, and because of the censorship laws, it allowed basically these cartoonishly big penis, little waisted, broad shoulder 
uh, cartoons, it was kind of that mix that made them so popular at that time. Like, woof. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then there was a um, Supreme Court take case in 1966, or I'm sorry, 1962, uh, that overturned a lot of the male lewdness laws, like a penis wasn't considered lewd anymore. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it, it opened up male porn to really prosper for the first time because it was allowed. Um, that was the 60s? Yeah, after 1962. Mm. So that's why the Beefcake magazines, they kind of fell out of favor because they weren't needed anymore. You didn't have to like hide the penis with the towel. Okay, yeah. Or just show the butt in the shower uh, because the they were kind of like a instantly a, a relic from another era. Because now you can see the full, the real deal. Yeah, because now you can do the full thing. The full on junk with the mm-hmm. at that time they were unshaven I'm sure so it was just a big old bush sixties oh and seventies yeah yeah so it's <laughs> a big old bush uh, like it was like a landscaping commercial <laughs> <laughs> that's brought to you by <laughs> group never mind <laughs> so uh, by the time Not the beefcake works. magazines ended he had had this cult following. To where by 1973 he was able to just sell his paintings uh, and get commissions year round as a full time job, and by that point he had gone from little pencil sketches and chalk sketches to actual paintings that were really really detailed, and it was a mix of to where he was doing photorealistic uh, artwork, which is like trying to paint it exactly like a human, to where down to where these guys who have mustaches you can actually see it, whereas before it was like a quick almost like a bar napkin sketch. Um, now you can like feel the mustache, right? Like you can see the detail. And, like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're thinking of Pete Buttigieg again. Uh, does he have a mustache? No, he doesn't. No. He's clean shaven. Well, he briefly no. had that goatee. He did. And then his husband gave him a bad haircut. <laughs> oh, that was cute. I think that was Bad staged. COVID haircut? It was, huh? It was like a COVID it was a COVID haircut. He shaved his head. It was just like every it was like all over Twitter. Like, mm. what's wrong with his head? And I was like, oh, he's balding just like me. And so that's why I will never shave my head again. Because I thought I would like I thought oh, maybe I can pull this off during COVID. And I was like, no, nope. I'm gonna do my comb over for as long as I can, despite me making fun of my seventh grade science teacher. All right. Years. <laughs> okay. Wow. Another uh, psychology ooh, session. I'm glad here we go. This is therapy. You didn't know that. But by the 1970s, he was uh, basically taking commissions and had such a huge following that he was starting to have his own night, uh, art shows. So in 1984, he started the Tom, Finland, Tom of Finland Foundation uh, to collect, preserve, show homoerotic art. Um, and by the way, the, the reason he got his name, Tom of Finland, uh, the editor of Physique Pictorial Magazine um, Said who? He couldn't pronounce his first name, Torco. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying it right. You, so he said, we're going to name him Tom. And because he couldn't pronounce the last name, he said, of Finland. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so that's how he got his name. But, I mean, I feel like, I mean, that we have, we've got to underscore like, or, or, like, emphasize, like, that his artwork evolved from, like you said, men in towels to, like, full-on, like, big pen. It wasn't just, like... Penis. And also another reason why it became really popular in the 80s was was because that really masculine look came back around because it was the reaction to not wanting to look sick from AIDS. 
Ah, uh, so, yeah. And it was uh, this whole thing of like, too, like, well, you, you think of gay people, you think of because the out people were more effeminate, typically, or you've just the the perception. And I feel like until in the last ten years, the perception of gay people were like, oh, uh, limp wristed, uh, sissy boys, like effeminate, and yeah. which is nothing's wrong with that. But that's that's all we saw. And so he was like, no, you can be a muscle daddy, a leather guy. Yeah, yeah so people were drawn muscle. to it, especially in the eighties, where people felt like that was the ideal again to be to project strength. Yeah, um, mustaches, almost. like I mean, yeah, because even like the straight community, I mean. Again, yeah, like, and it was these. It was huge penises with cum <laughs> shots, and like, it yeah, was, they're very um, erotic. Uh, they're basically porn. Well, yeah, non porn. It's like, no, well, you know, but this hairy, was, you but know, the, no. But I'm saying it was it was porn. Like it was it was hairy chested, big penis. Have I said big penis? <laughs> uh, You've said it like eight times. Yes, cum shots. Yeah, like it was oh, it my. was that. But that was part of the art. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. That was the art, yeah. You know. um, a lot of art critics said it's not really art. It's cartoonish as in, like, there's no respect to it, and also because of the subject matter. Um, but it kind of went, uh, went with the pop art movement at the time, which was that really graphic look. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really came up in a new art medium. And I guess that's my point. It was like it was very graphic. That's why it was something that was different. Than it, was, yeah. it wasn't just a very... Um, comic book Snoopy type of thing. It was like, granted, again, penis, but it was Sexy. it was very exaggerated uh, caricatures of people. Um, the muscles were super big. The mustaches were extravagant. Oh, extravagant mustaches! I love that. That sounds like luxury. Welcome to the stage, extravagant mustache. <laughs> the dragging. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in 1988, he was diagnosed with uh, emphysema, and by 1991, he had. Uh, died of emphysema-induced co- uh, stroke. Really? And then every few years, there's this debate about, are we allowed to have Tom of Finland? You know, the PC debates every now and then of where we have to re-examine people. And recently, he came back up in discussion because there was a biopic um, in 2017 about him that you was mean, a Finnish you mean movie. biopic? No. You pronounced it. Um, that was produced by Finland. Um, but the question keeps coming up. He drew Nazis in a very sexualized, adoring manner. Are we supposed to be mad at him for that? Yeah. He also drew, this is the one I don't get, um, most of his drawings were white, but some were of black and white men and in the, drawn the same way with the same leather, the same basically pornography. And there have been a lot of talks about was it hypersexualized? You know, the stereotype of the hypersexualized black man um some people were saying well there's the it it gives the appearance that you're saying black men are dangerous so yeah. there's that discussion that comes up every few years um and then in 2014 finland had three stamps commemorative stamps of him and uh, they were very erotic. One man's he- head was between another guy's knees, and it was you could see the butt. Woof. But it sold exactly. out. It was the record uh, sellout for Finnish stamps. Mm, yeah, mm. I remember reading that. I was like, that was c- crazy for uh, an LGBTQ artist. That I feel like at one time he was, if I remember correctly, he was kind of not celebrated in his country. And then 
Right. For a stamp to come back and be commemorating him, yeah, it shows you the progress, right? Um, but yeah, his artwork. I mean, you can. It is very sexual. So, but I, I feel like there is something to it, in the sense that it's it's. Um, I don't know. It's art. It's definitely art. I don't. I, don't I look, love it. I don't look at his art and be like, oh, this is porn. Yeah. I'm like, this is. Um, a, an example of masculine, yeah. gay sexuality, and it, it's not in a bad way, and it's not yeah. all. It's not as much as I said penis during. I love talk. Oh my god, bring it up again. It, it's not. It's not all penis. It, yeah. It's a. It's a different subculture of of gay men, and uh, you don't often. I mean, I'm talking about. I was talking about Bo and Yang, right? Who isn't by his like the stereotypical. Uh, feminine like gay asian and he here here you have this yeah aspect of culture that is being celebrated as the masculine leather daddy so yeah very cool exactly especially like from the 70s 80s yeah so i mean that's uh that is the tom of finland well thank you good job i mean we we've uh talked about him before um uh, not in as a topic, but we've we've mentioned it. Uh, he was also also friends with Robert Maplethorpe, who was the photography version of him that would have the same kind of leather harnesses, mm-hmm. macho men, black and white photography, which is beautiful. But they were kind of influence each other. Yeah, we've got to talk about him too because they're similar sort of story arc, but very different. But uh, but yeah, uh, well, cool. Well, thank you for for. Uh, bringing that uh, artwork and uh, story to life for us, Kendall. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast this week and kicking with us. A special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check every week, Spencer. He splices and strices and makes everything nice. As, uh, I tried to rhyme, rhyme as much beautiful. as possible. Anyways, he keeps us on track. Slices, dices. It's Spencer, who also, if you... Hopefully no head lices. Yes, hopefully no. Definitely no head license. Definitely no head license. No body license. Uh, Spencer Chris uh, put out a podcast each week called Our Spoopy Podcast. So if you like true crimes, murder mystery, and all things scary, listen to Our Spoopy Podcast. If you like drag things, drag queens, drag whatever, um, they have a podcast Mm -hmm. called Our Ruby Podcast. They give you the takes on uh, the drag race shows, and they they just bring on guests about to talk about drag stuff too. So uh, check them out. Uh, don't forget to su- subscribe to our podcast so you can hear future episodes. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. If you want a daily dose of LGBTQ plus history, you can follow us on our social medias. You can leave us a review. We'd encourage you to do that. I mean, we're, we've got a lot of listeners and we've got probably about... One percent of them that are uh, leaving reviews. So hey, if you're listening to this, leave us a five star review. Come on, Woo. it's free. Oh, I was getting all of them and I didn't share with you. If you <laughs> if you hit the subscribe button, you're not. I say this because we were talking to someone recently who was like, oh, if you hit subscribe, you mean you don't have to pay? I'm like no, subscribe just means you will get Bitch, an update. We're we, giving it away when we get contact uh, when we get a new episode, which we put a new episode out every Sunday. So. Um, so yeah, subscribe, listen, give us a review. If you're shy, like Kendall is, I am. You can send it's us like why is a turtle? You can send us an email to let's talk about gay stuff oh, at gmail dot com. We'll take your note there. We'll listen to it. On. We'll share and giggle about it. Just kidding. We won't giggle. We'll listen. We'll read it. Well, maybe we'll respond. Cry, maybe. We'll cry about it. Anyways, 
Leave us. Uh, get, talk to us. We love it. All right. So we're oh, part we of the it. we're part of the Listen Works Network. Uh, and with that, uh, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it.